well sharpen your pencils, set up those dice, and free your mind, because we're about to build an open world. Hello, my name is Knox Adams, my pronouns are he, him, and I am the architect for open world, maybe. And I just want to let you know that I love you. Thank you. Here on Build an Open World, we create diverse characters, accessible places, and supportive things that you can use as inspiration or even take directly and use in your own fantasy RPG worlds at home. Today's guest is Sawyer Adams. He is my brother and also the person that, uh, you know, introduced me to... Well, he was the first DM that I ever had. Sawyer, can you tell us... A little bit about yourself, your pronouns, and what's your experience with tabletop RPGs? I'm Sawyer. Also go by he, him. I feel we got introduced back when we had a family friend visiting us at Christmas. Who introduced us to GURPS. Yep. Generic Universal Role Playing System. I've also been into tabletop wargaming, and I joined a group locally doing that. And then I started doing a a live D&D game with them and then we lost a player at one point and I suggested you and then since COVID sort of ruined our in-person gaming we sort of set up our own virtual game. I actually knew all of that because I was involved in most of it but I just asked to set up precedent. I know we just talked about this but what is a diversity that you feel is lacking or non-existent in a fictional worlds that you inhabit as either a creator or a player? Um, and I have a very I guess limited exposure to varying role-playing worlds, I guess. I think the point of this podcast is for me to see how other people do it because I know how I do it. Right. So like every guest, I want to kind of tailor how they create characters and then just basically I'm guiding them through right. the diversity aspect of it versus the character creation. So so then to start out, you roll stats first. That's yeah. the first thing you do? Well, no, I sort of decide which character I want which class, anyway. So roll a d12, and then I'll tell you which. Ten. Sorcerer. Sorcerer. Okay. I don't know how to build sorcerers. Sorcerer. It's okay, you don't have to play this character. We're just building oh. them. There's the Draconic Bloodline Sorcerer that has bonus to HP, right? Yeah. Draconic Bloodline. Well, they get the... Yeah, it's basically like the dwarf one, the... Yeah, so an idea has, is comboing a, a hill dwarf with a draconic bloodline. Okay. Yeah, super tanky. Background. Do we just want to roll for a background? Unless I have a very specific idea in mind, I'll just pick one for for stats and then work in a story around that. Oh, for like you pick the skills you want, basically? Yeah. Let's go for uh, a sage background. So like that one. Which means they get arcana in history. Alrighty, so Gimrig, are you good with that name? Yeah. Standard array. 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. So do we want to give the 15 to charisma 15 then? charisma, I'd say 14 up to 16 for constitution. 13 uh, to intelligence. And I guess 12 up to 13 from wisdom. 8 dexterity, 10 strength. Look at that. Alrighty, so Gimrig. A hill dwarf sorcerer with gold dragon bloodline, yeah. uh, sage background, 
proficient with arcana, history, religion, and persuasion. Um, knows dwarvish, elvish, undercommon, draconic, and knows how to use brewer's supplies. Also knows a couple weapons, but mainly going to stick to magic, likely. All right, so let's, let's move over to visualizing the character in Hero Forge, and then this will help us create answers to some of these uh, more personal questions about our character. So we said we wanted them to be a dwarf. So do we want to start with a male body or a female body? Um, we'll start with the male body since I'm generally more familiar with how that works. Alrighty. Gimrig is going to be a male. Yeah. Just because we're right here and you can't really choose these elements in character creation Hero Forge. Do we know what their sexual orientation is going to be? Yeah, well given that his family seems to have an affinity with them, mating with dragons somewhere in that thing, I feel he would be open to to. Lots of... Lots. So we're going to say pansexual? Yeah, let's go that. Okay. Identifying as male, he, him? Yeah. Just like a, a gnarled old one? Yeah. The Gandalf staff. Okay. Uh, we'll keep that... Like that beard or a cleaner beard? Well, he's a... uh, let's go down for the wizard one right at the bottom, right? Like Something, just... generic. Something generic like that. So he got robes. Age, it's more of an age bracket, so like middle-aged, elderly, young, child kind of thing. Like, give it more of that, because a lot of times that, is, like, the age of characters is going to be, like, early 20s to, like, early 30s. I feel like that is a majority of main right. heroes, basically. What do we think Gimrig? middle age, I guess? I'm trying to think, because um, there's draconic blood in him mm -hmm. as well. I feel that would affect some sort of, I want that as some sort of visible expression, I guess. Well, because the draconic bloodline also come, like they have scales somewhere on their body. How else might that affect? Yeah, he's got a little, little bit patch of scales somewhere or lots of scale patches, but maybe he's bigger than dwarves because of this big dragon bloodline kind of thing. Right, okay. Like he's just, he's a, he's a thick boy. Yeah. You can say his hands are the thing that, like, have the scales on them. The traditional element is to have dwarves be Scottish. or So it's, like, not saying that dwarves can't be Scottish, but it's, like, can... Do they have to be? No. So it's, like, if we want this one to be Scottish, that's cool. But it's also just, like, looking at it and saying... Are, are you thinking of that language accent cadence one? Well, and and race because because they are seen as Scottish, they usually have pale skin and usually reddish brown hair. Again, making it a conscious decision. That's why we're choosing it, as opposed to saying because all dwarves are this way. But I was thinking of like yeah, having like a goldish hue of the, the skin, just to represent that gold dragon. So, like, he has, like, the scales themselves are, like, actual, like, shiny gold. The culture is dwarvish in general, but... Yeah, but I feel he's part of this weird dragon sex cult. Dragon sex cult. Love it. I feel like that's the most exciting thing we have come up with for this character so far, is dragon sex cult. Yeah, and he's sort of... I feel he's in, sort of weirdly involved in this sub-dwarf culture. <laughs> 
So I feel like that doesn't probably relate to any. Okay. Because I don't, I don't know of any dragon sex cults in real life that we can kind of base that off of. Cults. We'll just say, like, cults in general. Like, that's what we're kind of basing their, this, uh, Grimrig's well, yeah, ideology. A specific cult. Cults are very prominent in, in D&D, I think. But. Right, but that's what I'm saying is cults from a real-world standpoint. Right. That is how we're basing this character. Right. This character's ideology on, like, the idea of people being in a cult. Now, this guy is speaks many languages. He is a linguist. So do you think he's kind of pompous about it? Like, oh, I definitely think this guy's very pompous in a sort of way. I speak slowly when talking to idiots, which is almost everyone is compared to me. This. So now that we have Grimrig, uh, the upbringing was raised in the cult. Yeah. I think that is also his life experience right now. Family status or dependence. Some type of familial unit created. Not necessarily the whole group. There might be subsections of this dragon sex cult. Groups of people, you know, form sort of group units together. Okay. Is it going to be like this gold dragon is like the queen of this cult? Well, yeah. So the decision for me is is whether it, the gold dragon exists in this sort of realm, or if it is more they worship it as a deity kind of a thing. Right. Or both. Or, like, they don't, they, this element of it, like, they don't know, like, they believe it'll come back to, like, keep creating more sorcerers. Right. But they don't know. Like, they're just, they believe it's happening. They don't know when it's going to come. But they believe it's going to come back, so they have to always be ready to, like... I feel like this might not be the hero we were originally building. <laughs> Anyways, there is... Um, yeah, again, I think it is this weird... It's almost fan. like they, they're marrying the idea of this dragon, right? Yeah, but then I wanted to, to subset from the big main group. There's small different groups within this main group, which are, are these little family units. So their relationship is like a... It's not specific marriage thing but they're sort of i don't know if they're assigned they're probably assigned in some way assigned to a group in which they they have to live with right form, form a family and relationship with that sort of okay so the cult group is their it's both their family and their relationship all and their friends like it's that yeah. all of them together this, yeah, the, I feel like this character can't really be an adventurer now based on this grouping that we've created. Like, unless the grouping is the party. Well, our souls might be something specific. Like, they might be assigned to do some sort of a task. Or right. as their stage, they come across something in their research, which means, oh, I have to go out and, and deal with this. Right. The other thing with that one is because it's a dragon, right? Dragons are traditionally known to hoard wealth. So that they're hoarding, if they're gathering wealth and everything, they're unlikely to share it with their followers probably not well off they might have access to research notes and supplies and everything but they're probably not used to living in abundance privilege probably just within their cult yes like within their group even because they're probably higher ups certain amount of privilege um 
within that group just being one of the members of that group right but i imagine uh, having to leave their little commune essentially the other's going to be some i mean we made a reference to pompous in their their language but there probably is a certain level of pompousness about them entitlement oh like probably narcissism yeah Um, which most people when you're walking around in you know, I, I feel he views himself as like a chosen chosen one. He's one of this group of chosen people. But maybe with just extreme narcissism. And I don't, I don't know if that's a mental health condition. I don't, I don't know if I can... There might be a personality trait in the other section. We don't want to say that just because somebody has like a mental health condition that they automatically are become those things either. Right. How we describe yeah. certain it, things. Especially because we've made probably a more negative character right now. But the thing is, one of the things that I've said in this and other places like on the website and stuff like that are that these different characteristics show up in positive characters and negative characters. We can't. They're just people. They're just people. And diverse people are both like amazing heroes and like villains and then just the blacksmith or the sex cult leader. Right. It doesn't make them any less people. They're still people. I'm trying to think there's probably some level of trauma disorders. Um, I'm looking at some lists right now. Oh, um, like if like just living in this weird, stressful life situation, like maybe they have to do certain things or they're told something horrific is going to happen. So they could have developed some anxiety disorders or um, like, um, like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorders. What is it when people kind of get attached to their captors and stuff like that? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. I don't know if that, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like they were born into this and they raised into it that it's like, they just think this is normal. Right. So I assume this means then that the dragon is here and real. And and the dragon is the, like, the captor of them and, like, telling them what to do. I feel like working through this kind of gives more of a, like a human element to like, when you're now playing these characters, like a cultist in a game, when you're both playing a character, like a cultist as the DM, or if you're fighting a cultist as a player, like working through this as with us now sees a cultist in a different light. Right. Because now a cultist is, is like, a victim. Yeah, and a lot of time that is a case in real life, too. Right, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, in, in D&D, the cultists are usually just those expendable people that get sent first line, and they die first. And it's like, looking at that and being like, okay, can we change what that, how that is? Like, not at, like, as players, can we go into it and be like, oh my gosh, this cultist, like, like do they have to fight to the death every single time? Like, they right. believe that way, but it's like... Is there ways to change the, the, like, the cycle of that? Because right now, we're just, like, as heroes of the game, we're just killing victims. But you were saying possibly OCD, anxiety. Um, I feel like we have a lot. I, d- I don't want to, like, force anything else on here unless you have something specific in mind. But No, I, like I we, we've get, illness, we've... though, um, something like uh, asthma. Just if they're staying in a dragon lair and there's like 
a fire breathing dragon specifically there's going to be lots of smoke related and like if this, if this has been going on for generations or whatever yeah, then they they kind of ingrained that yeah they've all been kind of weaknesses to uh, some some breathing related issues i feel like that's i like i i mean i know we kind of took a while to kind of get going with it character but i feel like that that ending to that, like with these characters here, like with these answers here, I feel like that kind of put a new thought process in my head for certain things. Right. Because that's, I feel like that's really cool. That, I mean, obviously this character, and again, oh, even when we were talking down here, I was saying this character doesn't seem like the good guy. But right. then when we started discussing it more and being like, why is this character the way they are? And like a way to play this character as a hero might be the sage background. This is who they were like before the thing and they escaped. Or I mean, the starting thing could be rather than they escaped, uh, another adventure came in and killed the dragon. And then all of a sudden they're out on their own and they're sort of forced to leave. They, they were yeah. used to living this sheltered lifestyle and dragon gets killed. I have to start my new life because we can't stay here anymore. Or he's one of the few survivors of this. Right. Dragon sex cult. Right, and that's the thing is like it all that it, it, yeah, I, I I think it's really cool that throughout the journey of just creating this character and answering these questions, we kind of went from being like, okay, this person seems kind of like an ass, to oh no, okay, well they're they're definitely not the hero, to oh they're kind of a victim, how can they be the hero? Right. I feel like that's really cool to like get that progression because we answered these questions. Right. Where if we didn't answer these questions and all we had was Draconic Bloodline, Pill Dwarf Sage, then I feel like this character would just end up have been a researcher who knows stuff and then started adventuring because they wanted money. Right. Where because we answered this, we have now a full backstory that we can write details to later on kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, so one last question. Is there something that we can adjust in a traditional fantasy setting to make the world a more open and accessible place for Grimrig specifically. Example is if the character was in a wheelchair, the thing we could change about fantasy worlds is there's no more stairs. They're all ramps. Everything is a ramp. Right. It's like, is there some way that we could change how people... Again, maybe it's the cultist thing. Maybe it's like people view cultists as victims. People try to help them before they try to hurt them. Like, and it's like, yeah, and also, I mean, it goes back to like a DM or world building perspective. Um, is just to think about these different groups and how, why are they blindly doing it? And you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to throw a cultist at it, maybe have a little bit of stuff prepared for if that were the case. Someone were trying to do something i mean grim rig i feel might be too far gone although he was the more educated one in that group so i mean he might not be able to convince if you were trying to convince him that this isn't the way to do it he might still still be blindly trapped in there and that might be you know an interesting character arc for playing this character is figuring out is realizing that he was the victim the whole time right for those of you listening who uh and not watching the video version of this, you can find a character sheet and visual representation of what we think Grimrig 
may look like at openworldrpg.org slash podcast. Also there, you can find links to any other resources that we used creating this character. Sawyer, thank you for being here today and helping me build a more open world. You're welcome. I think I know, but is there anywhere that you want listeners to find you online to see what you're up to? Didn't think so. Alrighty. Uh, Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with a new guest helping me create a new character as we continue to build an open world. I love you all.